Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Uh, with me today is our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce, and our LFC editor, Andy Kelly. And all three of us were at Anfield last night to watch Liverpool against Manchester United. And somehow we're going to talk for at length about it because it wasn't particularly great, was it, Andrew? Uh, it wasn't great, though I think, um, you know, that was probably to be expected when you get two sides who have the potential to cancel each other out. I mean, I probably ruined it before the game by tweeting that uh, there's only been one goalless draw in 48 between the two in the Premier League era, and that uh, so we were pretty much guaranteed goals, and that there's only been one draw in the last 21, uh, so of course it was going to be a nil-nil draw. Uh, so apologies for that, but um, it was, uh, it, you know, it was the sort of night that no one is going to particularly remember it for the football. Uh, there wasn't even anything particularly controversial off the field that uh, will will be remembered. The black cat was the finest sight, I think, apart mm-hmm. from uh, Coutinho's shot. Um, you know, Liverpool had the had the best two opportunities of the game, probably. Um, I would, and I'm not even talking about Coutinho's shot there. I don't even regard that as a chance. You know, that that was just out of nothing. But I think the uh, the Chan uh, shot and the uh, the fantastic tackle from Valencia on Firmino uh, late on uh, were probably the two best chances in the game. And you know, once again, the importance of having a world class goalkeeper uh, shone through for United, and that that was that was different between Liverpool getting a you know a, a hard fought one nil type victory that people would have said that's the type of win you need to win titles and obviously a nil-nil draw that sort of halts momentum a wee bit. James you managed to write a verdict on that so congratulations on doing that that was a a great effort there Um, but as Andy's just said it was just one of those games where there was no controversy no nothing it just seemed as though certainly towards in the second half United had basically said look we're settling for a point and Liverpool just didn't seem to have any any answers to to what they were the questions they were posing? Yeah, I think the biggest disappointment from my point of view for Liverpool was just how poorly they started the game. I think, you know, you think of those two big home wins they've had this season against Leicester and Hull, and obviously no one expected Liverpool to steamroll the United like they did to those two teams. But you expected Liverpool to to really go at them from the start. I did, and I thought United would have to weather a storm, and there and there just wasn't, was there? I think you know United were actually the better team for. 30, 35 minutes, you know, they, they were the more composed in possession. Liverpool just looked nervy. I don't know, I don't really know why. Um, maybe it was just because of the, all the hype and all the build-up and, you know, they, it had it had seemed like an eternity waiting for it to come round and so, so maybe that played a part but, yeah, it was just, it was a bit bizarre why why they were so sluggish. Um, you know, and it, it wasn't really until the introduction of Lallana that they, that they came to life and, I can understand afterwards, you know, that obviously Mourinho's taken a fair bit of stick for for the, for his defensive approach, but you know, I I, th- I think the fact of the matter is Liverpool weren't good enough on the night and the be- the biggest positive to take was that Liverpool were way off their usual high standards, but but still got something to show for it. I mean, you mentioned Mourinho then. I mean, I might not be you may agree with me, or you may not. Normally you don't agree with me. Probably won't. I, no. Yeah, I um I don't have a problem with Mourinho at all. I have absolutely no problem with what he did. He knew that if you're going to play football against Liverpool, probably not going to win. If Liverpool played to the level that they normally played with, I think we're all agreed they didn't play anywhere near the best. But you know, United, as James just said then, easily the best team in the first first half an hour. They did exactly what they needed to do. And it's up to Liverpool if they're going to 
you know, win titles or win trophies to to knock these teams over to get round about. I mean, I, as somebody who's watched football through the 80s and 90s, like yourselves, we've seen this game a million times over when these two teams have met. I mean, we remember like the three alls and the two alls and those kind of games, but a lot of these games between these two teams the, in the, the 80s are just very like dour, nil-nil, maybe a goal. In fact, the game in January, awful game. United just nicked it towards the end. That, that, that's the reason we remember the two alls and the three alls, because such a vast swathe of them have been this type of game, haven't they? And you know, write this in your diary, Doyle, but I agree with you. I mean, what did people... What <laughs> I'll, did, make an, I'll make a note what of the did, year. <laughs> what did people expect Jose Mourinho to do? For a start, um, he had Martial, one of his chief attacking threats, Mkhitaryan, who could have was potentially been an option from the bench, probably hasn't played that much since his arrival, but two sort of big attacking players who he didn't have. So you're going to form his team into what was going to be the best option for them to get a result. And they very nearly did it, you know, because... They they've they've frustrated Liverpool and they got and they got their one big chance with uh, and the the difference this year was that uh, Ibrahimovic didn't didn't take that header and that was uh, a surprise wasn't it? It was well <laughs> you know and we know you're not convinced overly by <laughs> Ibrahimovic uh, for years I wasn't but uh, but uh, you know in la- in latter years I've been more impressed but uh, you, you know and and Mourinho did did what he needed to do. Um, nobody should be surprised. They didn't come and park the bus, by the way. You know, they they, no, they no. what they did was first half in particular. They they got in Liverpool's faces high up the pitch. So you had Pogba was playing off Ibrahimovic, and so that's two big fellas. Uh, and the ball was being played to them early. There was there's a terrific stat which I haven't brought in with me, but uh, about the number of passes played by the two centre halves, uh, Smalling and uh, Bailey played, I think it was eight or nine passes in the whole game, and uh, the Liverpool centre-backs played something like 75 and 85, so that shows you that Liverpool obviously were trying to play through the centre-backs and play up the pitch gradually, and of course um, you know that wasn't what United were doing, they wanted to get the ball forward as quickly as they could. By the second half, Liverpool had sort of worked it out a bit, found extra space, obviously there's a certain element of tiredness setting in, and obviously the introduction of Lallana. Um Really helped because Sturridge struggled, and uh, you you were in the press conference after Ian, and uh, I mean the manager sort of uh, almost gave him a pass on that game. Just said it was sort of it wasn't the way we played. It wasn't it wasn't a night for a striker. But yeah, he, be, he kind he, of felt. He said he felt a little. Well, he didn't say that he felt sorry for him, but he did say it was the kind of game where a striker, whoever it was up front, wouldn't enjoy it because the, he wasn't getting the passes. He was too isolated, and I don't know that. Sturridge at times dropped far too deep, but maybe that's because he was just getting a little bit frustrated at the fact he wasn't involved. See, no, no, I don't agree with that. Every time I looked at Sturridge in the first half, he was on the shoulder of the last defender. The problem with a, uh, he, I did notice him as the game went on, starting to drop back because he wasn't getting anything up there. But and he was on the shoulder. But the problem with that type of tactic is a De Gea is a reasonable sort of sweeper keeper and would have been off his line anyway. But also, you don't get enough time in the middle of the pitch in these games to get your head up and pick out that pass so you're instantly looking for a, a quicker shorter pass and uh, you know it's very difficult to play you don't get defence splitting balls Liverpool Man U I, I, I'm trying to think of one I mean can you think of one in the last few years not you know I can't think of a single pass of that type you know hopefully somebody listening to the pod can uh, you know tweet us and, and tell us about one but I, just off the top of my head I can't think of that type of a goal um, maybe uh, Torres uh, when he Torres oh, even, even that was traffic. a mistake really by that was Vinic, a mistake wasn't by it, Vinic, yeah. you know so I just think that you know 
for Sturridge, it was difficult. It was his 100th game in a Liverpool shirt. And, you know, we've seen uh, Cara uh, talk this week about, you know, doubting whether he's got a long-term future at Liverpool. And there will, there will be fans, you know, starting to ask that question. You know, could Liverpool potentially the, the sell Daniel Sturridge? He undoubtedly would, would bring a big fee because to certain other clubs, he would be absolutely gold. Uh, the question is whether he can be sort of gold for Liverpool again. Uh, I've said in the pod before, I said that I didn't expect him to be here this season. I thought Liverpool would sell him in the summer just because of the you know, the style of play. Um, that that didn't happen. Still here. I mean, I, ha- I happen to think he's you know, a very good player and there will be games like last night, maybe against you know, more of a sort of a different team where you know Sturridge's one moment of class will get you that one nil. So still think he's very useful to have around the place, and you know very, but 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 not at the moment in Klopp's number one team for me. Yeah, and I think the thing is it wasn't a one-off, was it? I think I think you're right. I did have some sympathy for him last night because the service to him wasn't great and and all the rest of it. But you know it, it's part of the bigger picture. It's another example of. Of him struggling to fit into this club team, and I think if you, and I think probably Leicester at home, he was excellent that that day. Um, you know his, his movement on and off the ball. First half at Chelsea, I thought he was decent, but apart from that, he has he has struggled um, to, just to get going this this season. And you know mixed fortunes, obviously, when he was away with England as well. And the the bottom line is, Daniel Sturridge isn't part of Liverpool's strongest eleven anymore. I think you've got to bear in mind as well that he's had all these injuries, and while it's become commonplace for him to come back and he's okay, maybe I mean I did John Aldridge's column the other week, and he he basically said maybe this is one injury too many. Not in terms of him never playing again, but in terms of this is the one where players when they're out for a long time and they're repeatedly out, they'll get one injury where it, they just take forever to come back from. And there's, you know we've spoken many times about he's perhaps not got the pace that he used to have. Maybe that's why he is dropping deep because he thinks he can't, as you just mentioned before, Andy, that he can't run off the last defender all the time. But I still think if he's... I mean, you just mentioned then, James, that he had a couple of good games, Leicester and Chelsea. And he's had a couple of bad ones. He came off the bench, was it at Burton, and scored a couple of good goals in a quick time. But they're the kind of things... He's the only Liverpool player who could score goals like that. Because maybe you might say Danny Ings, but again, he's another person who has been out for a long time. We haven't seen him for a while. I mean, I still think I mean, he's got part mark, to play. If you put that sort of hustling, bustling Danny Ings into that front line last night, there's an argument in that sort of game would have been perfect for Danny Ings in the sense that it's a battle. He loves getting stuck in. Whereas yeah. sort of with Sturridge, he's that sort of sort of floating sort of almost like assassin, isn't he? Who sort of you know who just pops up and well, that's why he did so well alongside Suarez because Suarez was the hustle and bustle, knocking people over. Them sometimes, but he, you know, Sturridge was the one who was he was getting. That's when he got most of his goals, wasn't it? I mean, you can't get away from the fact he hasn't scored a Premier League goal this season. You know, stats aren't everything, and don't tell you everything about how players played. Um, but they're important. I mean, we've seen the reason Lana started to, you know, I mean, the reaction to Lana coming on last night is it's just you, you almost couldn't believe it a year ago, but. Um, and that's because Lallana's providing goals and assists, and and in Sturridge at the moment the goals have dried up. Now, whether that's long term, has he lost that bit of explosiveness he had in his legs? I'm not 100% sure. Um, 
visually it, it looks a little bit that way or the fact that he's maybe just a little bit scared to give it the full uh, the full sort of afterburners if you like um, so I'm not sure I've, I've, I'm still convinced that and I think most Liverpool fans will be convinced that he's an excellent player that's long established it's just a matter of will he will he fit often enough into the way Klopp wants to play that it's worthwhile to always still have him around, start some, sub some, whatever, or is he worth more to cash in on and uh, and potentially get someone who fits the system better? We only have to go back. You mentioned then about Adam Lallana, saying you can't believe the reception he got six months ago. Whenever James, you'd write something about Lallana, we, we get people on we get people on Twitter, and it'd be like, oh, you know, sure, not him again, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> now, fans can't get enough of him. Yeah, and well, and. You know, you, and that is reward for the way that he's he's turned things around, isn't it? I think you know he's absolutely flourished in that new role that Klopp's given him this season. Um, you know that advanced kind of central uh, midfield role, and he and he made a big difference. You know, I think you, you watched that game in the first half last night, and you thought, God, just how much Liverpool missed Lallana's energy and 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 just what he what you know that 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 kind of creative spark on a, on a night where so many others. Just seem to be kind of doubting themselves and and taking a heavy touch and taking the wrong options and I think Klopp referred to you know a, a lack of patience in the team and once once Alana came on he, he just changed everything you know part of that also was the fact of having Firmino in that number nine role Liverpool looked so much better you know it was it was back to the kind of the, the front three that has has done so much damage this season um, but yeah I, I think it was interesting as well the fact that Klopp brought Lallana on because I think if you look at Klopp's kind of record he doesn't tend to take a gamble very often on players who have barely trained in the build-up to games obviously he made a big thing about Sturridge not even making the bench at Arsenal because he'd missed training earlier on in the week and there's been various other examples of players not being rushed back by Klopp but it was I think it was a a sign of just how you know the, the, the importance that Klopp places on Lallana the fact that even though he'd only been back in training I think two days before the game that he was, you know, he was he was the first man off the bench because Klopp could see what we could all see that that Liverpool were 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 kind of lacking his his input so badly. I mean, somebody else who was missing was Juan Aldum. Uh, Emre Chan came in for his first start and the first sorry Premier League start of the season, and he lasted the full ninety, which I must admit I was quite surprised with. I I thought he'd be the first one to get subbed because he was certainly rusty in the first half, and he improved a bit in the second half. He had the chance, obviously, that De Gea saved. I mean. How do you see Chan fitting into the team at the moment? Because you know, Juan Eldon's absence probably isn't going to hopefully will be short term. So, where do you think Emery Chan's going to be? Well, I mean, he's he himself said after the game he see you know sees the 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 eight role as, as being sort of where he's playing this year because Henderson's dropped into the sort of the pivot role at six. Um, again, these sort of number. That, which I say that nobody, we need Christian no, to explain no, yeah. what these numbers mean. But, but roughly, you know, Henderson's at the pivot and he's a bit further forward. And obviously, last night you could tell he wasn't fit. Really, certainly not match fit. Uh, heavy touches, you know. Um, the crowd were on his back a little bit. The, well, the, the, I think it's just a sign of how much the crowd wanted to win the game. And mm. when when you're trying to establish a pattern of play, especially in that first half, and they couldn't do it. And one of the reasons was that they couldn't, too often the ball wasn't under control. Well, the funny thing is, is that at the time you were looking at it and he was the player that was slowing the game down. But he kind of, he, he was, that's what Klopp says, that's what they needed at the time. 
they needed somebody who was going to slow it down. They needed someone with a bit more patience. Yeah, but I mean... You, I miss it somebody need, who could pass the ball to a teammate. Well, exactly. You need the ball under control. I think it's significant that in a game where... I think I wrote in, in the analysis today that both sides were weighed down by the possibilities of defeat and victory. That um, nerves are there. That that you, it's the players with the, the best um, technical ability who will be able to adapt quickest. We saw Liverpool, Coutinho was the standout, particularly in the first half, um, in terms of being so much better than the rest of his team. He was able to carry the ball, get it under. Um, United players couldn't come in on him so tightly because you know he's got that ability to go past you and I think you saw again with Alana when he came on he's probably the, the you know the, the technically the next best player and straight away he was into the game when he came on so you know those are the type of players who can flourish under pressure and control the ball Chan's a different type of player he's a big sort of galloping type of a player who can get box to box isn't he um, and therefore it, you see it even more when he's not quite there physically and I think you know I still think his size was was a help in the middle of the pitch last night. Um, I think basically him and Wijnaldum and Henderson, there's two roles there and the three of them will share them. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I don't think you have to worry about it being a problem because injuries and suspensions, uh, James wrote a piece before uh, the United game that Henderson's on four yellow cards, will be suspended soon. Didn't get a yellow last night, but, you know, it's common, isn't it? Um, So... It's good then that, you know, if, say, Hendo goes out, then you can play uh, Chan back at six and, and one album would come in uh, in the eight role. So, you know, don't worry about having too many players in, in any one position. The the Premier League sorts it out. Yeah, I was going to say, because Mourinho, didn't he, but he made a comment afterwards saying that he was surprised that Liverpool had Chan and Henderson because he, you know, almost accusing Liverpool of being too cautious with the way they set the midfield up and... I think Chan can play that role further forward. I don't think, I don't think it's particularly defensive having having Chan and Henderson in the same team. I think it was more a case of, as Andy said, Chan was just very very rusty and and uh, you know and yeah he put himself about and and um, I thought he he improved, but you know he was his touch let him down a number of times. And I don't I don't yeah I don't I don't think it was a case of of being too cautious. I just think it was a a player who's played very little football this season being thrown into. A really frenetic contest and and just being found wanted and wanting a bit in terms of sharpness. Sorry, sorry, and I was just saying we should give some credit to Mourinho in terms of how he set United up, particularly to. Do we have to? Well, yeah, because you know the game. The best you can say about the game is there was interest in uh, tactics involved. uh, Always a sign of a very boring game. It's a sign (laughs) of a bad game, but you know. It shows you the importance of Liverpool's full-backs this year. You know, Milner's uh, and uh, Klein have been able to get up and down, and both have been involved in a lot of uh, Liverpool goals. Uh, you know, obviously Milner's scoring a few from the penalty spot, but also from his position as a fullback. And the way he was able to get Rashford and Ashley Young to tuck in when Liverpool had the ball basically had a nullifying effect on Liverpool's fullbacks, and they were able to work hard. You know, quite often, most of you look at the highlights, a lot of the work that Rashford was doing is this bright English, fast forward, is on the edge of his own box on, on, the, on the Liverpool I was going to say, just James Milner said something nasty about Marcus Rashford, because he, he didn't <laughs> seem to have a lot of time, time for him, did he? Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I, not that I'm aware of, but uh, he was in the wars last night, uh, uh, Millie, as Klopp calls him. Now, speaking of if he touches and poor passing, that leads us on to uh, Loris Karius, yep. who... Now, we've debated him quite a lot 
in this in these podcasts and while you could argue he kept a clean sheet it was again not particularly convincing I gave him five out of ten and unlike in the the past few weeks where Andy and myself have given him five out of ten and there's been massive uproar from fans that didn't seem to be much from that last night no um he's had a strange start to his Liverpool career hasn't he because I don't think he's had a has he had a proper save to make yet I don't think he has, actually. I don't, I this, is, I don't think this is the weird thing, isn't it? Like this is why people are, yeah. are defending him to yeah. a certain extent. What, they keep going, well, give him a chance to make a save, lads. <laughs> well, surely, um, is that good play by the defence, or is it good organisation by him and the defence, or I don't know? Because you, you look at you know Mignolet, we no doubt we'd all agree that he's played better this season than Carrier so far, but Mignolet's had quite a few saves. You know, the one against Leicester, you know, one against Chelsea, ones like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a strange one. I think it's obviously far too early to to be making any sweeping judgments on Loris Carriers. But can we not make one? No, I don't <laughs> think I don't think that would be particularly fair. Even though we get accused of doing that, but um, but I, I just thought he he just looked very nervy, didn't he? You know, he wasn't the only one. But you know, I think I think the, what worried me slightly is that you know, I think what was supposed to be his big strength was the fact that he's a you know the sweeper keeper and that. You know the, the the what everyone you know groaned over Simon Mignolet was was how bad he was with the ball at his feet and I think there was a you know an in, there was one that stood out for me when when after Mignolet had been dropped um, I think it was one down at Stamford Bridge where I remember Klopp going absolutely berserk after Mignolet scuffed one out of play and and you think well, he's obviously gone with Carrius because he thinks that will just make you know that that kind of deals with that issue and it hasn't dealt with that issue at all has it I think you know Carrius. He was really lucky to get away with two big mistakes against United. The first one, when he when he flapped it, I think it was Young's cross, and he was just very fortunate that Ibrahimovic had, had stupidly shoved Lovren and the free kick went Liverpool's way. And then, obviously, when they were knocking it around at the back, um, you, you could just you could just sense there was a real edge. You know, I think even the defenders around him aren't particularly comfortable with having him behind him at the moment. And you know, a ball that was quite a simple pass meant for Lovren, he's ended up knocking it straight to Pogba. And again, you know, a big slice of, of good luck because, you know, if Pogba had just been a bit more composed, if he'd spotted the fact that Ibrahimovic was offside or if Ibrahimovic even had come a, come a couple of yards closer to him to receive the ball, then uh, it would have been big trouble. Um, so, yeah, first clean, league clean sheet of the season was, was pleasing. But, um, you know, I think question marks over carriers certainly remain. Andy, me and James were at, what was it, was it, was it Burton Derby? It's Derby. And I, I think. Oh, well, it's podcast for speaking, we're not writing it down. <laughs> okay. we've, we've said this many times before. Anyway, myself and James were at Derby, and it was, uh, that was his debut, wasn't it? Yeah, Carrius. And it was noticeable that he start, his standing position was miles outside the area. But since then, he's been going further <laughs> and further, further, further back in. I mean, is that, you mentioned the sweeper-keeper. Is it, it's not even been required, has it, with the games that Liverpool have played since then? No, and we, I mean, the only time I can remember it being required was once against Derby, wasn't it? When he, yeah. he came out after a mistake by Henderson, I think. But uh, the, you know, it hasn't been a factor. That if All I'd say is, if Mignolet had had the game Carrius had last night, there would have been uproar, right? Now, the reason why Carrius is given a, a bit of a pass at the moment is that we've seen four games from him, as James says, three in the Premier League, and people would argue that they've seen three years of Mignolet making similar type errors. And so, you know, I sincerely hope that Loris Carrius is the future uh, of goalkeeping at Liverpool. And, you know, um, 
plenty of people have suggested that the man in the other goal last night is, you know, is a prime example of someone who had a dodgy start, got his opportunity after being dropped, uh, eventually, and came back into the United side, and obviously is now capable of world class as we saw last night. Um, hopefully, that's the path that carriers can follow. Uh, I watched the game back on telly uh, last night after I got home. Why would you do that to yourself? Um, because I think you need to, you know, I won't go into that. But <laughs> everybody out there who went to the game knows they'll watch it again on telly to see if there's anything they've missed. And one of the things that I was able to see that I didn't in Anfield was um, because I was behind him, but the, the, the picture of intense concentration on Simon Mignolet's face on the bench, uh, banging his hands together, um, sort of, he was watching the game more intently than half the players who were on the pitch uh, that I could see, and uh, you know that was a sign to me that Mignolet is is you know he's up for the battle. Uh, we've seen him improve on crosses. We've seen his punching improve noticeably, um, and you know it's not people say Loris Carrius will get better uh, as a Liverpool goalkeeper. I sincerely hope he does, and and I, and I hope that you know I expect him to stay in the team, and hopefully we'll lots more clean sheets to follow. But all I'd say is everyone mustn't forget that there's an opportunity still for Simon Mignolet to get better. And, you know, we talk about competition, bringing players on. He's got proper competition. He's effectively been dropped. And, uh, you know, that's not to say that it won't spur him on to become a better goalkeeper for all that we've seen more of him than we have for carries. The final thing then, at the start of the season, managers always look at fixture lists and we've, we've heard in the past that they like to split them up into little sections and say, right, we've got these ten games, these eight games or whatever. Now, eight games in, you, the United game is the eighth game. Liverpool have played United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, the champions, Leicester. And obviously, because of the rebuild of Anfield, quite a lot of those have been away. Now, if you'd have said at the start of the season that after eight games, Liverpool would have 17 points from 24 and be two points off the top, what would you have said about that? That you're a liar. Yeah, I think it certainly would have surpassed expectations. I think um, you know, it, the, obviously, it's strange in a way that you look. You know, you, th- you would never have picked out those eight games. That obviously, the defeat would would be at Burnley. Um, but you know, yeah, you'd have taken that. You know, you always you think about you know, averaging over two points per game. Um, in touch, in, in touch with the top, and that, that's why I think you know you could sense there was a real feeling of disappointment and frustration and going away from Anfield last night. But I think you know, in the in the cold light of day, you look at it and you think, Do you know what, that one that wasn't the worst result in the world for Liverpool. They were way below their best, and they they didn't lose to to their arch rivals. You know, I, th- I don't think any real damage has been done to the momentum that's been built up before the international break, and and now. You know, you talk about that eight games as being, you know, a really promising start. But well, the next eight, I think Liverpool don't play any. I think they've got Southampton who are eighth at the moment. Everyone else in that eight-game chunk coming up between now and the Merseyside derby are teams in the in, but basically virtually all of them in the bottom half of the table. So Liverpool have got a fantastic platform to build on. Um, you know, it's it's been a it's been a great start, and nothing that nothing that happened against Manchester United should. Uh, should undo any of the great work that's gone on already. The value of that point, I think, as Jim says, will be determined by how Liverpool do in the next two or three games that come after it. You've got West Brom at home on Saturday, uh, 5.30, a TV game for them. They're not often on the telly. You'd imagine that they'll be right up for it. They've had two extra, two and a half days extra rest 
than Liverpool, having played on Saturday, got a decent result against Tottenham, albeit that they, they lived on their luck first first half down there. Um, we know the type of game they'll bring. We'll obviously talk about it later in the week. Um, but, you know, if Liverpool can follow up a point against United by going and beating West Brom, and then I think we've got Watford after that, is it, uh, James or Crystal Palace? One of the two, isn't it? Palace and Watford coming but up in it, terms yeah. of the Premier League. Yeah. Obviously, they've got the Spurs game in between. But you know that one point against United last night becomes a very good point if Liverpool go and capitalise and uh, build on that platform, as Jim said. But we'll look ahead to that uh, West Brom game later this week with our next podcast. Looking forward to Tony Pulis and all that. It will be almost as interesting as the United game, I bet. Uh, and do, we, do, do we have to stand up for that podcast? We have to stand up with our hands in our pockets <laughs> while wearing a cap. Yes, and on that bombshell. I think we'll say to our, see you later this week.